Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Uh, Let's take our Bibles, go to Matthew chapter number 11, Matthew chapter 11, and our ushers, they're going to make their way through our congregation, and if you do not have a copy of this morning's notes, uh, let's make sure you get a copy, that way you can follow along uh, in our message this morning. What a great summer crowd we have, and those who are watching by live stream, good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I see several folks who are visiting. I met some of you during Vacation Bible School. Thank you for coming back this morning. It is wonderful to see you. We'll be in Matthew chapter 11 in just a few minutes from now, but uh, thank you ushers for your help, and uh, everyone, if you'll follow along, I believe this morning we could be a help and encouragement to you. Now, I'm going to have to ask some of you older folks to go back into your memory here and see if you remember this. If you're probably 35 and younger, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But we're going to start from this framework of go back to yesteryear. It's hard to believe that this actually happened in America. But in the 70s, there was what we call a great gas shortage. And I, um, I remember um, uh, uh, some things about that. I was a very young, young boy in the 70s. Some of you who are older will remember this a little bit better than I. But Americans were not used to rationing any commodity, but this, but this time there were lines. Now, for a young boy, it seemed like the lines were miles long. But I remember this. I remember going with my dad to, uh, on Speedway Boulevard in Fairmont, West Virginia, and uh, we always had junk cars. We never, ever had a new car. They always smoked, and, and um, they always smelled like fumes, and it was just a way of life growing up there in West Virginia. But I do remember this, that the cars would be out into the street, and on the right hand of the street, all these cars would be lined up. And my dad, he wouldn't start the car to move it up. He, he uh, left the, he just put it, back then they had a, a manual transmission, so he, he, he would put it in neutral there, and, and we would push the car slowly, slowly, till we finally got to the gas pump. Now, as a young boy, I thought this was fun. This is how you got gas. My dad, he would be frustrated beyond words. Um, uh, how many of you remember those days? Oh, all right. Oh, wow, that's a bunch of you. Uh, how many of you have no idea what I'm talking about in that story? All right, so we're split about 50-50 here uh, this morning. Um, but once the gas embargo ended, uh, what happened is the prices went up. Shortly after uh, that, uh, there were things that changed in America. There were some things that were introduced called commuter lanes. Now, in West Virginia, we never had any of those, but on, uh, around 
major cities, they had something called an HOV lane. Uh, in fact, an HOV lane, they have those in, in Phoenix. It stands for high occupancy vehicle. You must have a minimum of two people in that car to be able to drive in that lane during certain times of the day, or if you're in a major city uh, like Los Angeles, they're 24 hours a day. Um, they, uh, then we were introduced to something called rideshare programs, where you could ride with someone. And uh, in fact, as you travel along our urban highways today, you'll see signs advertising rideshare, and you may see a parking lot along the side of an interstate, and people would go there, uh, park their cars, and they would share. If you're in a big city, they have what we call metro share programs and, and um, uh, ride share programs, they, they really make a lot of sense. They make sense economically. You only have to pay for a portion of that car. They make sense for the wear and tear on the car. Um, you save on future repair items. They, they, they make sense for, for uh, rest. If you trust the driver, you can rest uh, while they are driving and getting you to work. Yet the vast majority of commuters ignore rideshare programs. Here's why. We are too independent. We don't want to trust our schedules to someone else. We do not like or want to share uh, with someone else's vehicle. We don't want to alter our schedule. Um, and as reflecting upon this thought, my attention was drawn to a passage of Scripture where a case could be made that we are too independent when it comes to even the spiritual areas of our life. Look with me, Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Drop down to verse number 25. And with rideshare as the backdrop of my illustration, I've entitled this morning's uh, uh, message, The Value of a Rideshare Program. Follow along and see if you can pick up on where I'm headed with this. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Father but the Father." Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, would you help us in the next few moments to be able to understand your word. Would you help this preacher to be able to accurately and fervently to be able to portray the way that you intended this passage to have been written? Father, may we help those who may be a little too independent today when it comes to their spiritual lives and help us to be able to make a decision today to take your yoke, understanding that it is much easier than the world's. So Father, help me to be able to explain in Jesus' name. Amen. When we consider our own spiritual journey, and every one of us this morning, we are on some type 
of journey. You see, at the moment of salvation, God the Spirit indwells. He, he takes up residence in us. And, uh, uh, and, and Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us. What does he mean by that? I say, uh, maybe I could best describe it this way. He wants us to partner up with him, to share the ride with him as we go through this journey called life. It's amazing to me. Let's use my illustration. When we talk about ride share, we talk about our own vehicles, we talk about traveling somewhere. We're all going different directions, but nonetheless, we're going somewhere. In our own spiritual lives, we're all at a different place. We're all going somewhere spiritually. This means that we will yoke up with the Lord or we will abide with Him. And all of that also makes a lot of sense economically. As we gain wisdom, uh, as we gain wisdom in our families and in our finances, in our future. It makes a lot of sense spiritually when I talk about wear and tear. You don't go to places that tear you down. Lord, do you want me to go in here? Uh, should be a question and, and the Holy Spirit will stop us. You'll save on alimony payments if you yoke up with the Lord. Because you're going to do what's right. You'll save on rest. You'll have trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ as he's the one who's driving your life spiritually. But the vast, vast majority of people ignore his invitation. Even people who are saved fail to truly yoke up with Jesus in their daily lives. And we are just simply too independent. We would rather go our way at our pace, drive our own life spiritually and be in the in the driver's seat and and we take control of the reins our attitude is often this thanks anyway lord but i truly don't have time for your rideshare program but the lord wants to direct he wants us to ride with him he wants to be the one who guides us and so there's three designs if you will of god's rideshare program let me share those with you very quickly this morning. Design number one is there is a divine revelation here in verse 25 and 26. There is a divine revelation. These truths uh, were heretofore known only by the Lord in verse 27. Uh, Jesus is the door. In John 14, the Lord Jesus told us that there's no way to the Father except through the Son. The fact of the matter is that if we're going to have an understanding of spiritual things, it's going to begin only with a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the only one who divinely reveals the truth. He is the way. He is the door. He is the truth. In this passage of Scripture, we see that the Bible says, the wise and the prudent had not seen the truths of God. We see that in verse 25. Normally the wise man in his own eyes rejects the idea of needing Christ. It is a divine revelation that you and I must put aside human wisdom and human knowledge if we're going to understand the revelation of God's word. Still today, the preaching of the Bible is foolishness to the world. In fact, if it wasn't foolish, this auditorium would be full, every seat, with a waiting uh, line to get in. The vast majority of Tucson, not America, 
not Arizona, the vast majority of Tucson is at home doing something else because what we're doing would be considered foolish to them. Does the Bible say anything like that? Listen to this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But, as a, but unto as which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom know not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. My friend, never ever get tired of coming to church and hearing preaching from this pulpit. When we open the Word of God, when we preach the Word of God, we are doing something that the Bible says is saving lives. How could we not get excited about that this morning? To the world, what we're doing right now, it may be foolish. But to all of us, it is life. It is life that sustains us. And when you open your heart as a babe and you humble yourself as a child and you begin to listen to the truth of the Word of God, you find that there's a lot of wisdom in the Word of God. It truly is a divine revelation. It's not something that's going to stroke your ego or appeal to your intellect and that's the only reason we do it. Nothing is more likely to keep a man out of heaven than pride. Pride is keeping people, men and women, boys and girls, college students. Pride is keeping them from making this most important decision because we're often filled with our own education. We have our banks and our coffers full of riches. And here's what happens. We see no need of God. It is often true that we can take the gospel message to a third world country like Africa many parts of Asia, in South America where there's poverty and we can take the gospel message and in droves people will trust Christ. They're looking for something. They're seeking something. And many times uh, maybe they're seeking a better quality of life and they think this Jesus will, will give them riches. But I also know this to be true. Just like Scores of people can be saved in those countries when that comes to America. Oh, it is so hard to see people saved because they got money in the bank. My car is running just fine. Things are going great at my job. My family is doing well. Man, listen, my kids are all stars in sports. Things are fantastic. I got a good church. Had air conditioning this week. I don't see anyone fanning this week. And actually, follow along, what I'm trying to say is that we don't need God. That's the way we live our lives. We're filled with our own education. In the story about Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, verse 53, He hath filled the hungry of good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. So often, those who have money, those who have everything provided, God's just a curiosity. Jesus, this is something I add to my life, to like a degree on a wall, or, or like a, uh, more money in my bank account. 
May I just share my heart? We need Jesus. If you're a millionaire, you need Jesus. If you're having trouble rubbing two pennies together, you need Jesus. Anyone that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ hungry and thirsty, may I just tell you, he promises to fill that need. And if you come in already full of your own pride and you come full of your own wisdom, the Bible says you're going to be sent away empty. We've got to be hungry for the things of God. In verse 25, he even says this, the babes understand, even those who are small. Do you know that this week we had vacation Bible school and there were children who heard a very clear presentation of the gospel and Sadie Martinez did such an amazing job teaching this week uh, in, in one of our classes and I personally saw children who were moved and wanted to hear, even a little child can understand the gospel message. It's amazing. Luke chapter 18, there's, Jesus was rebuking the disciples and even said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. That's amazing to me that a young child can understand his or her need for salvation. And anyone with a childlike faith can receive this revelation. This is something that's given from the Father uh, to the Son and then it's revealed to man. Oh, there's another design in God's rideshare program. And that is this, there is a universal invitation. There is a universal invitation. In the verses we read there, even though national religious leaders of the day had rejected Christ, we see this today, that the vast majority of religious leaders, they've rejected the truth of the Word of God. The political leaders of Christ, they rejected Him. And today we see a marked shift to the left, spiritually speaking. Churches marginalized. And we, what we're doing is simply foolish. It's not necessary. Listen, why do you need church? We, the government's going to take care of you. Listen, I want God taking care of me and not the government. Verse 28, three words Jesus said, come unto me, come unto me. Religion says, do, do this, do that, do this, do that. No, Jesus says, I want you to come unto me. Salvation is not doing, it's trusting in Jesus. We do not invite people to church or a baptistry. We invite people to come to Christ personally for salvation, to enter into a personal relationship. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. People today are heavy laden. The debt load, the stress load, uh, the necessity of two incomes. Jesus said this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I found something that was fascinating Every day in America, let's think about this. Every day in America, 189,000 people move to a new home. Every day in America. 28,000 people move to another state. I think Arizona's first. The U.S. government issues 150 pages of new regulations every day. No wonder we're so confused. 48 Americans turn 100 every day. Around 5,000 turn 65 every day. 8,000 try to forget their 40th birthday every day. Every day in America, 167 businesses go bankrupt, but 689 people start a new one. 185 Americans become millionaires 
every single day. Anyone want to stand up and let us know about that? You're the newest millionaire in our church? No? Okay. The Smithsonian adds 2,500 new things to its collection every day. Americans purchase 85,000 automobiles prior to 2019 and smash 127,000 car vehicles every day. I saw two of those yesterday. We eat 95 acres of pizza every day in America. We eat 63 million hot dogs every day in America. We consume 197 million eggs every day. That's a lot of chickens. <laughs> we jog 17 million miles every day as Americans. Uh, I, I had a resource I found for that, uh, uh, living life every day in America. You know what, I, I, when I read those statistics, we're, we're buying and we're eating and we're running and we're crashing and we're investing and we're manipulating and, and we gulp down our coffee and it says, oh, Jesus runs out into the middle of the traffic of life and he says this, stop! Wait a minute. Come unto me, all ye that labor. Oh, ye that are heavy laden, let me give you some rest. And the vast majority of Americans today, here's what they say. Get out of my way. Get out of the street. Get out of my life. No, thank you. He says, come unto me. And then he says something this, and this is a strange terminology for modern day English. He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. We hear that word yoke, we think of an egg. Take my yoke upon you. And he's talking about how the two oxen are joined together. And the yoke is that wooden apparatus that joins those two oxen. And, and those two oxen are stronger than one. And they can work together. And it involves trust and surrender. And that is why the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked together. That's why a saved person should not marry an unsaved person. That's why a saved person should not go into business as a business partner with an unsaved person. Uh, because eventually there's going to be problems, spiritually speaking, because of being unequally yoked. Oh, let me just tell you, God's Rideshare program is a wonderful program. It really is. To participate in the Rideshare programs means this, that you've got to trust the partner and you've got to trust God the Father in His Son, Jesus Christ, in God's rideshare program. And it's evident by the way you live. You're glad that you're saved. You're glad that you're not going to hell. However, if you're not willing to give Him the steering wheel of your life. If you're not willing to allow Him to be the, the, the one who yokes up with you, then your life is going to be frustrating. There's going to be times of great heartache and pain. You might have to give up something and it bothers you if, if you're to join God's rideshare program. If you're to join God's rideshare program, you might have to give up your cursing and your impulsiveness in this area or that area. You might have to give up some habit that you know that you need to give up. So therefore, I don't want to join God's rideshare program. 
You might have to stop going to some of the places that you go. But yet Jesus says, I desire to lighten your load. And he says this, let me be part of your life. Let's get this rideshare program going. Now, growing up uh, in West Virginia, we didn't have a lot of nice things. I remember when we went off to college, um, uh, we had... Uh, my freshman year, I didn't have a car, but Matt, the guy I've talked about before through these years, uh, uh, we went to kindergarten and elementary school and high school and college together. We roomed together for three summers as we worked trying to put ourselves through college, and, and uh, he's born in February, I'm born in June, that we talked to each other twice a year. I mean, we've just been great friends for our whole lives, and, uh, uh, but he had a rust bucket called a car that we would ride together back and forth to work. But Matt used to love to fall asleep while he was driving. I have to tell you, I didn't have trust. In fact, I had faith. Because every time I rode with him, I had to make sure he stayed awake uh, and that we didn't wreck. Um, But you know, Jesus says this. He says, listen, when you take my yoke upon you, you can trust me. In fact, you can rest. You can have a calm assurance that when you follow the word of God, I'll guide you. He says, come unto me. He says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says this, I want you to learn of me. You know, one of the reasons that we're here this morning, we're here to learn of him. We're here to increase our knowledge. Let Jesus be your teacher. Let the word of God be your guide. The world system is corrupt. It is broken. Jesus must uneducate us in certain areas and re-educate us in other areas. And too many of us, we're just not willing to be teachable because we're too independent. Gene Williams, uh, he taught uh, uh, one of my high school classes uh, in high school. I still remember him. But here's why I remember him. Is that the week before Thanksgiving week, we would always have a hunting class. And Gene Williams, he was an amazing archery hunter. He would rather uh, uh, go archery hunting than any other kind of hunting. And he had guns and muzzle loaders, and he was an amazing hunter, but, but he loved archery hunting. It was a, to him, it was more precise, and it required more skill. And, um, and so he would come in, and he would teach us about things that we needed to do when we went out into the woods. Every year, we would have a day or two where Gene Williams would come in and teach us about hunting. It was, it was really good because we didn't have to study that day. We didn't have tests. We didn't have quizzes. He would tell us what to do, what to take into the woods, what not to take, how to stand, where to stand, what it means to be um, upwind or downwind, what, how, how you take care of your equipment, keeping your guns clean. I mean, it was amazing all the things that he taught us. And it was important to those young men um, who didn't have a dad who taught them about hunting. Uh, and back then, there were very few girls that hunted, but today that would be men and women. There's a, there's a lot more uh, hunters of both sexes today. Well, he would teach us, and um, then he would say, all right, I want you to go out, and I want you to succeed. And every 
year in high school, um, we were actually excused because we were off uh, Thursday and Friday in school. But if you took off Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to go hunting, those were excused absences in West Virginia. Um, uh, now, if you missed Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday because you just wanted to stay home, those were unexcused absences. But uh, it's a strange world we live in. But we were excused to go hunting. And we would go out. All of the guys in, the, in high school would go out. And then it was a competition among the guys to see who would be able to kill a deer? And it was amazing how Gene Williams and all the things that he taught us uh, that helped us succeed. And um, we had a teacher. He guided us. We listened. And we were successful. May I just tell you, Jesus is a much better teacher than Gene Williams. He'll tell you how to live your life, not how to go deer hunting. And this is true in the Christian life. Jesus says, okay, come right here. Wait for me. Wait five minutes, and, and Jesus says, and, 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 and we say this, well, Lord, I've already prayed three times in the last five minutes. I don't have an answer, and I'm out of here. Forget you. We don't know what it means to wait on the Lord, to learn of him. The Lord says, that's not a good idea. You need to stop that habit. And we say, I can't do that right now, Lord. And so we argue with the Lord, and, and the Lord tugs in our heart to uh, to, in a particular service. Now, would you listen for a moment? There's a lot of times that we've been pricked in our heart during a service. We know that the Word of God was talking to us. And here's what we said. Not right now. Not right now. That's got to be for someone else. And we push it down and we walk away, not making a decision, not learning of him. Many Christians are simply not teachable today. Jesus says, learn of me. It is a divine revelation. It is a universal invitation. Finally, this morning, design number three of God's rideshare program. It is a comforting declaration. It is a comforting declaration. If I will do this, God declares a few things. Jesus declares what will happen. He says this in verse number 28. If you'll come unto me, you'll share those burdens. You're going to learn of me. Here's my promise to you. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. An overriding characteristic of the world today is unrest. Think about it. There's unrest in the inner city. There's unrest in Afghanistan and Lebanon and Iraq and Myanmar. And there's unrest in companies. And there's unrest with Congress. And there's unrest in the White House. There's unrest in our own state. There's unrest everywhere we look. There is unrest. The world is filled with unrest. Jesus said this, if you'll follow me, I'll give you rest. And before we march around and we demand our rights, let's go to Jesus first. You see, he, what is he? He's divine. He's God. He's faithful. He'll meet your needs. He's fresh. Every day, he's going to have a new idea, a new way, a new thought for us. He's personal. It's not some abstract being that I cannot connect to. Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. He's my personal person that I can pray to each day. Unrest is the characteristic of the world, but may I just say rest is a characteristic of God. And some of us today, you're visiting with us, you're a regular attender, you're a member. If we were to be honest, your soul is turned upside down. You're wrestling with decisions. 
Your mind never slows down. It's always racing. You haven't truly experienced spiritual rest in a long time. He says, I'm going to give you rest. And then he says this, unlike the world where the world puts all of its entanglements on you, he says this, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. Someone says, the devil is tricking you. The devil whispers to you. Now look, I don't want you to get all involved in things of church. What are the people at work going to say? I don't want you to get involved with the things uh, uh, of Jesus. What will your family say? May I just tell you, it beats alimony to listen to the Lord. It beats bankruptcy to listen to the Lord. It beats losing your family to listen to the Lord. I want to be involved in all the things that the pastor talks about. I want to be involved in all aspects of the church because I want to save my family. I want to save my home. I want to save that relationship with my children. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And the Bible says, then all these things shall be added unto you. The devil has some of you convinced that if you're going to be uh, a little bit more dedicated, uh, that somehow you're going to be ripped off from the joys of this world. I'm here to tell you this morning that life begins when you yoke up with Jesus Christ. That's when life truly begins. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is is light. In verse number 30, my burden is light. The world puts an atrocious burden on you, but Jesus says, my burden is light. Is your burden heavy as you bear it all alone this morning? Does the road you travel harbor dangers yet unknown? Are you growing weary with the struggle of it all? May I just say this morning, Jesus is the answer, and he's reaching out to you. Jesus is standing in the middle of the lane, God's rideshare program begins at salvation. It grows as you learn of him and as you enter into his rest. How many of you have ever heard of Uber and Lyft? Uber and Lyft. That that should be all of us, okay? Everyone should have heard of Uber and Lyft. Several years ago, when Uber came out, what a weird name. What in the world does Uber mean? And when we all heard of it, most of us, we would have recoiled from the thought of, uh, of what Uber was offering. They lost billions, not millions, billions of dollars when they started this whole app called Uber and where you could ride share with someone. Today, even though this just started a few years ago, today you can go to any airport in, uh, uh, in America and many foreign countries there's going to be a sign, either rideshare, Uber, Lyft, and with an arrow uh, directing you to where you should go. Well, American Express, uh, we have an account with American Express. It's what we use to, to pay a lot of our bills when we travel or, or uh, when we need to order something. Uh, they sent us an invitation, five free rides with Uber. Download the app. They're going to load five free rides. So um, I... I've taken many taxis. This whole concept of Uber, Uber was new. And, um, and so I, I said, okay, well, it's free, right? 
It's free. We like free. So I downloaded the app on my phone, um, and I uh, traveled my first trip, um, uh, and I was uh, in the state of Florida uh, speaking for another pastor at a couples conference and, or, or, or at a, a staff training. And so I get to the airport, and I told the, the pastor, oh, you don't need to pick me up. I'm going to take an Uber. Just give me uh, the uh, address of the hotel. My very first time, I was scared to death. I have to tell you, I was scared to death. So I pulled up Uber. The instructions were very simple. Just put the address. It gives you three options of three different kind of uh, vehicles that you can get. It gives you the price, only it was free because I had five free rides. And so I told Shelly, I said, I'm taking an Uber ride. She says, no, you're going to get kidnapped. They're going to kill you. I'll never see you again. You can't do that. I said, yes, I'm going to do that. So, so I pushed the button, and, 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 um, and then it's amazing. It actually shows you where the car is, and, and, and you can follow it wherever, wherever it is, and it comes into the airport, and it gives you a picture of the car, a picture of the driver, and, um, and so you're looking, and it's a green Mazda with the license plate, and has a picture of the driver, and, and so you're looking for them, and sure enough, they pull right up, and they get out, and he goes, are you Brent? I'm Brent. And, uh, and so I put my suitcase in the car. I get in the back seat. I feel pretty special. And he goes, oh, yeah, I see you're going to such and such a hotel. He says, well, we'll be there in a few moments. And, and so we drive there. We get there. I don't have to worry about a thing. I don't have to worry about renting a car, putting gas in a car. I don't have to worry about the traffic signals and, and uh, one-way streets and toll roads. This guy took care of it all. And so, um, uh, so we finally get there. And, and, and he says, let me help you with your suitcase. Do you know that in Uber, you don't even have to tip. It's pretty cool. I said, okay, thank you so much. And I got my suitcase and wa- walked in. It was awesome. By the way, this is not an advertisement for Uber. It's a sermon illustration, Okay. So I still have four free rides. So Shelly's traveling with me. I said, well, we're going to do an Uber. Oh, no, we can't do an Uber. We're not going to do an Uber. I'm serious. I mean, she was flipping out. We can't do an Uber. I said, I've already done it. It works. No, we're going to disappear somewhere, and they're never going to find us again. We cannot do an Uber. I said, yes, we're going to do an Uber. No, we're not. Yes, we're going to do an Uber. No, we're not. I said, find your own ride. I mean, it was a spirited discussion that we had. Same thing. Put our destination in. I said, look, it's coming. He's coming. He's going to pick us up. And she's like, she's all nervous. And and we get there. We go in the car. And so she sits in the middle. Get on your side of the, the, I mean, we're in our 50s. It's embarrassing. Two 50-year-olds sitting beside each other in the backseat of the car. Go on your side. I mean, she's tied up against me. Her hands are on my leg. She's watching everything, listens to everything that's happening. And she's like, are we supposed to be turning there? I don't know. He's in charge. I don't know. And we finally get there, and we get out, and, and, uh, and we're alive. We made it. And so we have three more rides now. And guess what? When we're finished, we're going to take the Uber back to the airport to come back home. And then we go through the whole thing again, only it wasn't quite as dramatic. And, and now 
We use Uber. I, I told her, I said, I, I was in Manila, and uh, I, I needed to get from uh, the Manila airport over to the hotel in Pasay City, and, and I told her, I said, I'm taking an Uber. She goes, oh, no, you don't know what's going to happen in a foreign country. You're going to be this white guy, and they're going to take you, and they're gonna, you're going to be buried somewhere, and they're going to take all your money. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And she worried. She and I are two different people. But may I, as I close my message, use this, how many of us are. Spiritually speaking, there are many of us who've entered into that rideshare relationship. And we understand that the rideshare driver is Jesus Christ. And I can pray, I can trust him. I can sit in the back seat and let him take care of the details. And I have rest. And I get where I need to go. And I don't worry and I don't fret about traffic lights and toll um, uh, booths. And I don't worry about other traffic. And I don't worry about making a wrong turn. I put my trust in that Uber driver. Now think about this. I put my trust in that Uber driver that I don't know in any manner, any way. I'll never see that person again. And yet I won't put my trust in Jesus Christ who has my best interest. There's something wrong, backward about that. Or there's many of us who are like Shelley. Oh, we have a relationship with Jesus, but, but guess what? No, I'm not getting in that. Listen, it's much better if I take care of the details myself. It's much better if we go rent a car and we're in charge of everything. I'm not going to put my trust in that Uber driver. There's no way. And so we're worried and we're fretful. And guess what? As she's forced into doing it and she's like, oh, we got there. It worked out. And there's the next time when I really need something and I really need to cast that care on the Lord and and I really need help. But you know what we do? It comes time to get into the rideshare program and we're like, Shelly, no, I don't want to do that. Let's go rent the car. We could do that. It may even be more expensive to rent a car. Uh, Or let me just take a taxi or something. Let me just be a part of the world. Let me just do what the world tells us to do. And there's no, we're not going to do that. We're going to get into the Uber. We get into the Uber and now she doesn't have to sit on top of me. She sits over there. And we get there. And there's no stress. They drop us off at the front door. No stress. There was no burden. The rest was real. Why don't we do that every day? I'm asking you, why don't we do it every day? There's two types of people. There's the person that says, hey, this system works, and there's the person that says, ah, I don't want to do that. But here's the truth. If I allow God to be in charge of the details of my life, and he's driving the car, I can rest. My burdens become his burdens. He takes care of the details. Some of us were fretting over a family matter. We're fretting over a job situation. You've been trying to find a house and you're fretting over it, but truthfully, you haven't even prayed about it. And you're fretting over a relationship with somebody uh, that's an extended family member and you can't even stand to even think about them, but yet you've never given it to the Lord. May I just tell you, get in and let God be the one who drives the vehicle of your life spiritually and experience rest. 